Christ our Lord to fearless in devotion. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant, as you know by now, but we, of course, like to keep reminding you, and for good reason, because it's the best place in the world. Andy? Yeah, best place on York Street, best place on any York Street in any, any street. place, any including town. York. Including York. Uh, Liam is away this week, but we've got a jam-packed podcast in store for you, including some major exclusive cop news that we've got to bring you shortly. So please stay with us. Sorry, we're doing that awful clickbaity thing. Keep listening to us. You have to. Um, Back on the pitch, though, uh, Wrexham are still alive in the FA Cup, a really tough first round draw. uh, But the lads made it through with a superb 2-1 2-1 win at Mansfield, a very wet Mansfield, Tim. You were there. Uh, was it as good as it looked on the TV and as cold? Yeah, it was ace. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, everything about it was was just spot on. Played really well. Strong team. Um, on a difficult surface, because I thought, well, you know, it, the, the, the surface was gathering so much water, I thought we might have to whack it in the air more, but... When we played it on the on the deck, weathered a bit of a storm first 10, 15 minutes, and after that, never really looked back. Just their their uh, keeper, that Christy Pym, made several really good stops, and some of the football we played is up there as some of the best we've ever played under Parkinson. I think it was just really, really a joy to watch. Um, so yeah, glad I went. It was a just overall just a solid display. Everybody was at least if you if you're going down the player rating route, you're looking at. Eights, eights and nines out of tens. Everybody's just really on it from the get go. It's great to great to watch. Um, I can't think of any any negatives other than we we maybe should have put more on them before half time. But two fantastic goals. Derby was superb. Um, obviously, a lot of people writing him off early doors, but he's just grown into the season again. And um, yeah, I think he'll 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 kick on now. He's got the opportunity again, hasn't he, for for the next league game as well. So. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was really good. On the on Dolby Andy, a real superb performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, ever since he signed the new deal, he's been he's been fantastic. And everyone was there. Well, why are you giving him a new deal? Well, I think it's proved why we've given him a new deal. I think the key for Dolby is he was potential. He was always potential. We were buying seasoned, experienced professionals, but we always needed someone in in the in the ranks who could grow with us. And Dolby while not being the finished article and still isn't yet, has everything about in his game that he could go on and play at a high level, like uh, certainly top top league one, even bottom championship, if everything, if everything really comes together for him. And, you know, what's going to help him come together is playing games. He's playing games, he's starting, the manager is trusting him. He's not saying, right, you've got 15 minutes, go and show me what you can do. Sam at the end of the game, although he can do that. Starting the game, he's beginning to really forge a nice little partnership, a very technical partnership with, with Mullin, and it suits the way we're playing at the moment, which isn't the long ball. We're trying to play it through midfield, and we've got very we've stumbled on some ball playing defenders, and I think it's it's helped our sort of control of games, which we probably didn't have a couple of couple of weeks ago. Defence uh, looked good, didn't it? I thought, um, you know, generally, obviously, we got opened up a couple of times, but Mansfield are a good side. Uh, Tim, happy with that? Yeah, I just thought, again, you know, no, no, we went away from it thinking we didn't have those debates about, oh, yeah, Toza are a shocker, because he didn't. You know, that, that entire defence as a unit was superb. They had a couple of occasions they were caught out, but 
that's what Big Arthur's there for. Last line of defence, solid. It gives that that defence some confidence as well now because we we've, we've had a fair degree of upheaval with with the keepers in recent recent times. So it's nice that we have got somebody settled, somebody agile, uh, somebody's not afraid to tear a strip off his defenders despite being young. So I just I just genuinely think that that we seem to have, have settled down now in terms of the defending aspect. It all seems to be coming together. The only sort of downside to it is we picked up another injury with with Andy Cannon going off because he, he was having a really good game as well. And uh, typical, isn't it? He gets back into the into the side and uh, and he's forced off with injury, which I've not seen the tackle back, but a lot of people tell me that it should have been a red. It should have. So, it, it was orange, I think, wasn't it? But it was, yeah, it was. he, he was a little bit lucky to stay on, I think. Um, but I'm going to interrupt you because... Uh, People who are watching YouTube, the Generation Z people who are who follow us on that particular website, will have noticed that we've been joined by a fourth guest. And not only have we got some exclusive cop news for you this evening, we've also uh, very pleased to announce we made a big signing of our own. Joining uh, the Fearless in Devotion squad now is the Daily Post's Wrexham reporter, Denby's finest, Thomas Wynne Lewis, also known as Tommy Kaus, Kreisomau. How's it going, boys? Are we okay? We're very well. We're very well. You've not made a great start, mate, because you're five, you're ten minutes late. But we we're you expecting, you expecting any uh, any less, Reese? Or sorry about that. <laughs> Absolutely he's a, not. He's, no, no, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pod whore, so he's on about nine of the podcasts before this one. So you know, yeah. it's half expected. He's managed I did, to I, was doing, uh, I, I did three podcasts on the way home with Tim in the back last night. So yeah, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, delighted uh, that you can join us and you will be joining us more going forward as well. And it's obviously you've been begging to join us for a while. How does it feel now that you finally, you know, we've asked you finally? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm over the moon, mate. I'm absolutely delighted you've uh, you finally let me on. Um, I can't help but feel you're letting yourselves in for a, a, a <laughs> lot of trouble. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm absolutely delighted, boys. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all of, uh, all of yours, except him, who uh, was... Just so irritating to spend time with yesterday. <laughs> but, um, but apart from that, yeah, all good. Good, glad to hear it. Right, we were discussing on the pitch. You know, wow. you were in Field Mill last night as well. Uh, strong lineup from Parkey. You know, is it a sort of sign that he's taking his competition seriously? Do you reckon? Yeah, I, I was massively surprised, mate. I have to say that. Um, I, I think we we all were in the car on the way there, or, or certainly when we heard the team. Um, you know. Another classic uh, parky tactic of, um, you know, sort of hinting at changes and then actually not making hardly any changes at all. So, um, yeah, I, I think it does. I, I think also just on top of that, Reese, I think, um, you know, you saw his celebrations at the end. I don't, I don't know if you saw. Um, I mean, we could see in front of us. Um, he was absolutely delighted, you know, giving it the massive fist pump. You don't always see that from Parky, dear. So, um yeah, I think he's really up for another good run this year. And, um, and let's be honest about it, with, with the squad depth we've got, why not? Why not go for it? I think we can go on two fronts or maybe even three. Exactly. Well, I remember him saying last season, you know, when there were a lot of people last season on that FA Cup run saying, we need to get out of this. Any any extra matches are not worth it. I know Parky, to be fair, was quite consistent the whole time saying, well, actually, it's quite nice to have a mental break from the league sometimes, even not just a, even if you don't really get a physical one, uh, it's nice to take it, take your mind off a sort of promotion race. Um, but anyway, back to off the pitch matters. We promised you some exclusive news on this podcast and Andy Gilpin, a top hack extraordinaire, is going to bring it to us. 
Uh, top hack. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put that on my business card. Um, if I had a business card, we're not allowed business cards anymore. Uh, yeah, so well, there's a few things that need to happen to make this COP development start. And one of the major ones was the lease. And tomorrow, Wrexham Supporters Trust will have a meeting to ratify handing the lease over to the club, which is the first thing they, re they really need to do to get, to get this ball rolling. Now, there's other things they need to do as well. They need to, you know, obviously put the finance in place. They need to change the position of a sewer. They need to change it. What is it? A transformer as well. So it's not it's not completely settled yet. But one of the main things, which is having control of the lease of the ground, the club will get pretty soon. I think there'll be a meeting tomorrow to ratify it. Then there'll be a, a larger meeting in somewhere like the Mice Gwyn where people can vote on it you would expect that people would want the club to get hold of the lease because there is a covenant on it to make sure that football is is played at, at the race course. I think reading between the lines, WST have had everything they want from this deal and it seems good for the club and it seems good for, good for the supporters' trust. Now, you know, people might say, just hand over the lease. Well, we can't do that. And I think when Barry Jones came over, came on a couple, a couple of months ago, he sort of said, look... It, it's it's enshrined in law that they just can't give it away. And also, we're a club who have been burnt by owners a few times, and we need some sort of safeguards in there. And I think, you know, it, we're not ever going to say that Ryan and Robert are going to do us over and build that mythical B&Q, but I think we do need to safeguard ourselves from the next lot of owners who may want that hardware store on that ground. Uh, when you say tomorrow, do you mean today? Because this podcast will go out on a Monday. For time-sensitive purposes, Andy refers to Monday, the 6th of November, 2023. So this is red-hot news, everyone. Absolute red-hot. This is in, It's like in the future. It is. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, sorry if you can all hear the crazy amounts of fireworks going on around me. Is it the same with you guys? Jeez. Yeah, I've got them here, but I don't know if you can hear them here. Oh. No. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, let's well. hope people. If if you can, we're not having a. There's not. Got to uh, be. You got. You got. You, you got to be hot on that mute button. Yeah, hot indeed. Doing my doing my best. But this seems like good news, Tommy. What's your reaction to it? You know, a uh, bit disappointing that there's been obviously been a bit of a hold up with the cop for different reasons. But this seems positive. Yeah, it's definitely positive news. Uh, like like Andy said, there it sounds as if the the WST have had the assurances they want. Um, I've got to be honest, and you know the the. The WST were getting a lot of stick uh, about it, not just handing over the lease. People have fought too hard to save the race course to just hand over a lease. Now, we know that the club is in good hands at the moment. Um, you know, we're more than happy with the uh, the current ownership, obviously. But, um, you know, you, you can't just hand something over for nothing. You have to have assurances. Sounds like I, I, I don't pretend to be in the know. I'm sure, you know, maybe Andy, uh, you guys are probably more in the know on that front than me. But... Um, yeah, definitely a positive move. I hope that all the, the WST have had all their assurances, which it sounds like they have, and let's move forward and get that cop open now. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Tim? Yeah, no, I concur. I mean, you, you wouldn't do it in any other walk of life, would you? So why should this be any different? I mean, it, this, isn't, this isn't a charity. This is a cornerstone of half a country, really. You know, that, that's, the, that's the way you've got to look at it. So it, it is important to err on the side of caution. And it would be remiss if we didn't do so. So I think it's it's a sensible way of dealing with it, and they've they've, they've gone about it in a in a fairly straightforward and and uh, 
proper manner. So yeah, it's it's definitely good news, and yeah, it won't be too long, and we'll see the we'll see the uh, the fruits of of that labour going forward. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, we do have a special guest coming up on this episode uh, once again, but before we do. Uh, let's talk about Wrexham ladies because their inexorable march uh, continues with a phenomenal result in the uh, south today against Cardiff Metropolitan ladies. 3-0 uh, puts them second in the league above Swansea and just three points behind leaders Cardiff City. Results slightly marred at the end though, Tim, by Rosie Hughes getting a red card, uh, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, slightly... Um... Well, you know, get, get your 101st goal for, for Wrexham women and then kind of sour it by getting a second yellow and, and, and sending off. So didn't need to be done at that stage of the game, but, you know, we, we've got to cut her some slack. She scores that many goals. You know, it's not something that she she does often. So, um, yeah, really, really good win. Um, 3-0 took over an hour to kind of break down um, Cardiff Met, but they got there and, and, and they're biding their time. It's a similar story with the men, isn't it? You know, that you just pick your moments and, you know, it might have come first first time but you just gotta keep chipping away and chipping away and you know the the the, the women have have sort of uh exercised a bit of patience and, and they've got over the line again it's just steve dale's side are going great guns so you know dare we start thinking of of european adventures yet you don't know i, well, I, I was gonna ask that where do they need to finish to to get into europe now i take it the top will be champions league but there's there's other competitions isn't there I think so. Again, this is where I, my sort of knowledge falls down, and I'm, I'm all open to to being there, to being taught. So something I need to look at. But you know, they're they're, they're in a great position. Yeah, they need to win for Champions League, don't they? So yeah. Um, but that's at the moment going great guns for it. So fingers crossed. Um, they're going to miss Rosie Hughes, obviously. So it's just you know the hope that we can keep up the momentum in those intervening weeks, Tommy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they've been, they've done so well. First season in the top flight, um, just fantastic to see them flying at the top. I must admit, I didn't really know uh, what to expect from Wrexham this year because it's very difficult to sort of judge. Uh, I mean, clearly it's it's a massive leap up from the, the second tier, isn't it? But um, no, I, I think uh, Wrexham are doing, probably exceeding expectations, I would say. And if you if Wrexham could finish second, maybe even a title push, who knows? Um, I know we uh, we lost to Cardiff, didn't we? Um, but uh, we more than held our own against Swansea, so why not? Um, you know, imagine that. Imagine a European trip, fantastic. I mean, there's, I don't know about you, Reese. You're probably not old enough. Uh, the two old boys there probably remember European trips in the nineties, but uh, yeah. yeah, they do. Andy, do you remember anything? Hang on, are you counting yourself out of remembering these uh, <laughs> these European trips, uh, Tommy? I am, mate. I am indeed. I'm 37, so I uh, I wasn't able to go. I mean, you know, gentlemen like yourself and Tim. I mean, nudging 50 now, aren't you? So, oh, be um, See, this is the sort of shit we're gonna have to deal with. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't, I remember. I remember the Lindby away. Obviously, I couldn't go. I was too young, but I can remember the big hoo ha after beating them away from home. Um, yeah, so. I think I was delivering the evening leader at that at that point, uh, but yeah, a bit too young for me to go to Copenhagen. Um, what was I going to say? What did we think of the episodes this week? I was about to I was about to ask because we've got a special episode about the documentary coming up in a couple of weeks. Don't want to give it too much away, but um, can we talk about the Hand of Falls episode in particular? Because what like in terms of 
uh, the, the quality of that episode to make us all nervous again about that game. It was just a brilliantly done. It sort of told the story virtually of a season, but not just a season of 15 seasons in about 45 minutes. I thought it was brilliant. Really, really good. What was that, Tim? I don't know, my phone just suddenly clicked on. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Are you running on, a but... food chef? Are you doing a, <laughs> a mixer I was say, in, the, in the background? It sounds like he's operate, operating a lathe in the back there or something. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what do you think of the bloody episode? It was good, man. It was good. I mean, even it if you... Good, it was superb. It was brilliant. Yeah, but what, what I mean to say is that if, if you bookended it and take it for what it is and you strip back the documentary... Take the entire documentary away and just have that as a standalone episode. It was brilliant because it, it it did justice to the game, to the occasion, to everybody involved. Everybody was there, everybody watching from afar, and it it it, it encapsulated that entire day. The anxiety, the nervousness, everything about it, and 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 it really hit home how much rested on it. Because until you see that graphic come up with the table see how close it was into the dying embers of that season it was just unbelievable so to to win it in the way we won it and obviously with the various twists it was just amazing the only thing they did dirty they they, they did uh owen o'connell dirty but not showing his chip and chase i thought they would have included that um because that was ridiculous his pass was crap um that that not didn't clear by the way but yeah, but it was it was just a really good episode, and I love the fact it's been immortalised forever. So yeah, Reese, you're on mute, so this is still going well. Tim, yeah. you can put your your your, your Kenwood chair. He's been, he's, been, he's been pumping too much iron. It's gone to his Tim, brain. Tim is rubbing off on me. This that that is shocking. Why am I taking so much flack today? I got pushing fifty, irritating, <laughs> and now I'm getting off you. Fucking hell! Right, moving on. Uh, our, our special apologies, everyone. Our special guest uh, has now joined us or is joining us and is being admitted as we speak. Um, once he's joined, then Mr. Gilpin, uh, hack extraordinaire himself, oh. is going to introduce him. There he is. Um, so, Andy, why don't you introduce our special guest? Right. He, he only played about 30 games for us, but this fellow's career took in some of the most menu, memorable sort of moments of recent years with, with Wrexham. When boss Andy Morell signed him, he simply said he knows what to do, and he wasn't wrong. In his time at the club, the big fella seldom let us down on the pitch and was a very popular figure off it. He then donned some glasses to make himself look more intelligent and embarked on a managerial career where he got crew promoted with the likes of James Jones in the team. Let's talk about his time at Wrexham and let's get him to lend a bit of ta a tactical nouse for our current side. Welcome to the pod, David Artel. How are you, mate? Good evening, gents. Thanks for that. It's all right. Uh, first off, David, Dave, did you have any sort of other nickname? Um, I've been called plenty of other things, but shall we stick with David? <laughs> David, right. Fair enough. What were we? Does that what people called you in the dressing room? Arts? I don't know. I mean, I'm just. Yeah, that I had. Um, Moose when I was at Rotherham for six years right because there were two Davids and somebody thought I looked like a moose and it stuck <laughs> it was the only club I was called that I had Arts for three years I had Dave Skip um, you know anything other than the proverbial that's a nice mix that's a nice mix yeah I love the fact you didn't so. you didn't take Moose to your next club you didn't sort of go <laughs> oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm the Moose yeah 
I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the moose. I think they're quite um, nice creatures. They don't, they don't seem to be vilified a lot. So I wasn't against it, but um, I didn't see it from the, the sort of uh, stadium floodlights either. Um, right, let's go back. Let's go back to, to the first when you were uh, being targeted for Wrexham. I think, you know, you've had a decent career in the game. Um, we won't mention Chester. But you joined us, uh, key part of the season, Mark Crichton was out, and you were very, very much in that similar sort of mould. Was it an easy decision to make? Did you know Andy Morell at all? No, I didn't. Um, I'd, I'd obviously gone to, to Northampton. We'd just got promoted with the crew. Um, gone to Northampton. Tore my Achilles after 11 games. Um, was out for five months. Eddie Boudo and the manager said, look, if you want to go and get some, some games, you can. And and Moz rang me and said, "Well, do you want to come?" And uh, and I jumped at the chance. Yeah, um, first partners were Chris Westwood and Stephen Wright. Very very experienced defensive unit. That I'm always sort of interested in in defenders and how nasty they are. I mean, talking to you now, you seem a very mild mannered fellow. Were you a bit different on the pitch? And were they oh. the sort of same? Was it quite? Could we could you be quite sort of horrible to to, to strikers? Yeah, I, I saw something online the other day about about this kind of thing, and I can remember the crew chairman when I first um, when I first spoke to him. I was coaching and all the rest of it while I was while I was at Exeter and all the rest of it. And he said, "Yeah, you're growing your hair." Said, yeah, why? He said, "We've always had a skinhead." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, that's because because of the image you have to portray on the pitch, because of the, the sort of character you have to play." Um, and he started laughing; he couldn't believe it. But but yeah, there's a you know, there's nothing wrong with being feared. Either, you know, I'm the most, you ask people who know me, I'm, I'm a completely different person off the pitch than I was on it. Um, and I think that's part of the part of the game. It might only be 1% or 2%, but I'm all for marginal gains. And, and yeah, I was a different person on the pitch. I, I wouldn't go as far as animal. I know if this is a sort of, it seems to be a theme in this, this pod. <laughs> you know, from animals to animals. Yeah, you know, I don't know where we're going to go, you know. Next, but yeah, um, I, I certainly, um, I, I was never good enough just to rely on skills. Mm. But what I did, I was a big art, worked harder than anyone, um, you know, tried my hardest. That you know, as I said to players in, in dressing rooms that I've uh, been manager, my greatest achievement wasn't promotion, wasn't a double promotion, wasn't playing international football against the world champions. I was actually being able to look myself in the mirror and say that I tried my best every day. There's not not everyone can do that. Whereas yeah. I had to, and I did. Um, you say where this is where is this going to go next, right? There's like an urban myth, right? And I think it's right, and I think the lads will back <laughs> me up on this. That Andy Morell told a story that he needed to break the ice or something to happen before before one of the finals, and you brought out something called the revolving man. Oh. <laughs> Can you yes, take that's... me through what the bloody hell that is? Um, the, the, the truth is, it, it's been on it's been on the big sort of screen, not maybe the big screen as your owners that that bigger screen, but it's certainly we got when we was at Travolta, we got filmed by Sky Sports and they did a documentary and sort of followed us for twelve months, and then they did a documentary at the end of it. It was on, it ended up in the final court. Basically, it's a man stood at the door. Um, and it's hard to explain, and I'm certainly not going to show you now. Well, I was going to say, there's a door behind you, David. 
no, 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 I, I certainly can't show you now. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it certainly broke the ice. It was, it's all good natured, good humoured fun. It's nothing untoward or anything like that. You know, it can, you know, I, maybe I'll stop short of selling it at kids' parties, but it's not that bad. It's not, um, it's certainly not myth and it's not a bad thing. It's just fun. It's just good natured fun. I know, I and mean, did Wrexham are a couple of uh, sort of finals in the in the first season you you were there. Before I bring Tim in, um, can you can do you remember much about the FA Trophy final? Because I know I think you were injured before it, weren't you? Did you still travel down? No, no, I, I couldn't play in the final because I didn't play in the semis, ah, and the rules okay. stated that I joined after the semis, so I couldn't play. So I played the week before and I was fine, and then I didn't play in the final. Um, but obviously, I went and you know saw the. You know, the celebrations and was involved in, and all the rest of it. Um, you know, it was a great day, wasn't it? It was a great day. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong, if I had my time again, would swap them finals over. I'm sure we all would, um, because we deserved to win the other one, and but we didn't. And that's uh, I was, I, I was at, I've been to three of your games this year, and I was saying to one fan, that's probably my biggest disappointment in my whole career that one game. Oh, wow. Was, you know what? We're going to get on to that. Tim, do you want to take over? We, we, yeah, we will get on to that shortly. But just going back to that season, 2012, 2013, um, we kind of limped into the playoffs, I guess, in, in sort of many ways. Um, but then the kid who missed a doubleheader, we were great. Um, beat him at home 2-1, beat him 3-1 away. Um, if I remember rightly, you almost weren't really nearly there because I think you got sent off at Mansfield in the game prior to that and you got the red card overturned by the FAW. Did they do you a favour, David, um, for doing that? I can't remember what the red card was for. Yeah, the truth is um, I can't, but I know I shouldn't have got sent off. Um, but then usually when you do get sent off, it's very rarely to get overturned um, because it's got to be a mistaken identity or a real horror of a decision. And it wasn't a real horror decision. It was just really on a harsh side. I was on the halfway line and it was like a, the lad flicked it over the top and just literally boomed it in the air, ran into me, I'm stood there and he gave me a straight row at, at uh, Field Mill. That's, it is coming back to me. And it was ridiculously harsh. Um, yeah. So they obviously thought it wasn't a, a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. Well, it got overturned, thankfully. So common sense prevailed. And then in that second game, um, before we discuss Brett's uh, miss in in the final, <laughs> <laughs> how good was he in in that that second game? Because he he kind of really showed his experience and his guile and and his know how in that game and really helped sort of drag us through and just just led from the front. Yeah, I think he won the penalty, didn't he? Yeah, uh, in that second game, I think he scored. I think yeah. he's scored. Yeah, can't remember who else scored, but yeah, he, he was. You know, that was a good player for the Premier League. Um, yeah. Joe Clark, it was, it was uh, Joe, uh, Clark. Yeah, yeah. Joe Clark and uh, Neil Ashton, uh, late penalty. Oh, Ash, Ash scored the penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Brett, Brett was a good player. He was a large part of the reason why we got to to the final itself. Um, don't get me wrong; I'm sure he he's replayed the chance he's had a few times in his head because it was a guilt edge chance that that would have rewarded our dominance in the game. We, we felt in control and then we got dominance in the punch five minutes from time. And goals do change games. And like I say, it was, it was, we deserved to go up. We weren't um, outstandingly brilliant, but we were the better team. You know, mm. we, we were, um, 
and that's football. That is football. It was, yeah, it was it was a, a terrible day, really. Thinking, yeah. thinking about it, just anyway. That's it is what it is. It's football. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, pouring over that that final. Um, obviously, we, we were back there so soon after after the trophy game, so there was a bit of familiarity behind it. I guess I thought that would have sort of aided us a little bit. You just said there a minute ago. That's one of the biggest kind of disappointments in your career, or kind of like a missed opportunity, if you like. Is there anything specific that you can pin down that that was the main difference? Was was it simply a case of Brett's miss? Was was it a case of Jolly being the difference? And what what was the main thing for you? I think the the the, the thing for me was um, we, we we didn't expect to go up. You know, there was no. Um, I don't know, self-righteousness about us. We were a group of hard-working, honest individuals, good pros. But we all we all knew that we were better than them hmm. without actually saying anything. So that inner confidence, that inner belief. But then the sum is not always equal of the parts, if you like. And I have to say, it's it's one of them games where I think if you play it 10 times and, and the sort of level of dominance that happens... Like some win nine times out of ten, or certainly seven, and the other two are draws, kind of thing. We we were just unfortunate that on that one day, you know, they they ended up going up the end of the park near the end, and you know, five minutes from time and scoring, and and it's sort of game over at that point. Um, I I don't think we we did enough during the course of the season to to. I, I'm equating it to sort of when I was when I was a player at Crew. We went 17 games unbeaten into the playoffs. We could have played anyone who we were going to go up. You know, we've played Cheltenham in the final. We've never lost at Wembley. We beat them 2-0. Not a problem. Just because you knew. We didn't have that sort of form. I went to the Euro final a couple of years ago, England-Italy. England beat, uh, England lost to Italy. Italy were 33 games unbeaten. Italy were never, ever losing that final because of the form that went into it and that belief, that self-confidence. It doesn't matter. You find a way to win. Hmm. And we'd, I think, the, rather than it just being that game in isolation, it was sort of the, the few games previous to that, the six, eight games. Not not saying you have to be unbeaten. I was hoping that the two playoff semi-finals sort of gave us that. But we actually didn't have enough in that in the in the previous sort of six league games, really. That's what I, I believe you know, you just you just know, you just have a feeling. I actually felt that feeling, which is probably what made it worse. But it was sort of false hope or, right. or on, on shaky foundations because it was only them two two games in the semi-finals. I hope this is all making sense and you yeah. just don't think I'm some sort of nut, nutter with my brain and stuff like that. It, you, you just, you can feel it. You can feel it. It's, it's a smell. It sounds sounds crazy. Six um, sense kind of thing going on. It, it, it is. You don't need to say it. You don't need to say it. And we were like that. We were we weren't saying, "Oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win." We just sort of knew. Just lost my wow. We just sort of knew. Um, but yeah, it didn't work out like that, unfortunately. From 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 a, a sort of uh, on the ground point of view. Um, was Brett's miss as bad as we all think it is? Because it looks bad on the camera. It looked bad when we were in the stadium. But from your point of view, was it was it as bad as, as everybody makes it out to be? Um, <laughs> he's, he's already been on the pod, so you can say what you like about it. Yeah. The, the thing, in, in games of that magnitude, half chances, 
become good chances. That yeah. were already a good chance. And if a player the calibre of Brett, it was a great chance. You know, he's, hit it, he's caught it perfectly. He's just not going knee over the ball. He's fell away from it. His technique let him down a little bit. His techniques were good. Um, and that's the disappointing thing. You know, yeah. if it was maybe one or, one or two of the other players, you might go, well, he's got that missing him. With Brett, you didn't feel he had. Um, right. So all them little contributory factors, you suddenly think that's a great chance. And and in them kind of them kind of games, you don't get many great great chances, and and that was one. But you know, it's a bit, that's football. Um, it's what is it ten years ago now, so you can be and and the football clubs in the promised land, if you like. So yeah, it's it's, it's less painful. Although like I say for it's still it's still the biggest disappointment of my career. By distance, really. Really? Distance. Okay. I mean, with with your managerial cap on for a second and going back to that, is there anything you would have done differently? Do you feel um, Mozart got his tactics spot on or is there something you would have changed if you could have done? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. The other time is I can't remember. Um, I think I, I spoke to Mozart. I've, I've been to, like I said, I've been to three or games this year. And after the crew game, I saw him um, and I speak to him every now and again. Um, Moses is a great bloke. He was too soft. As a manager. <laughs> it, it was a, it was too, it was hard for the transition for him. I'm sure it was going from yeah. player straight to manager. Um, being in the club helped, I'm sure, but actually trying to separate that divide must have been hard for him. Um, but it was too easy on some players. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I'm not saying he should have needed to be a dragon. Um. But he did actually need to draw a line and say where that line was, because some players um, who who weren't say thirty five or thirty six who have to be treated slightly different, you know, I had them at crew, I had a thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven year old called them the dad's army. They have to be handled slightly differently. He had a couple of them. I understand that, but then there were those at twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty six who were getting away with too much. Right, um, and I thought he could have. Not not being not being harsh, just actually said no no. This is where our line is. This is this is what you need to do, and as opposed to allowing a bit more freedom, I think it's yeah. a fine line. And in your first job, it's hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, and, and I had to sort of draw that line with certain players, but you do for the good of the club and good for the team, and actually for the good of the player. They know where they are. Um, and I felt Moz let one or two or three players let, let them get away with too much. I suppose that's part of the learning curve of being a, a sort of managed, young manager at that time in his first of role. Of course, it's not, you know, I'm not being, I, I, I'm not yeah. being critical. I'm, I'm, um, it's only because I've been through that journey where you actually go, yeah, thankfully I didn't fall into that trap because in the end, in the end, the lunatics were running the asylum. Really. Yeah, um, and that's what did for him in the end. What was it? Was it like a clique? Was it? Was it? Do you think no. that was kind of running things? No, it, it, you know, I, I won't name names, but I'll give you an example of one day before a game, we were doing boxes, you know, little possession boxes, and Moz and Bill, Billy Barr, would shout, "Getting threes or last one somebody's back or anything." And if you did, if you weren't on somebody's back or you were in a four or whatever, you had two, three needs to chest or five press-ups or whatever it was. And one lad just went, no, I'm not doing them. And you go, oh, hang on a minute. 
Now, I never had that as a manager. But when you get to that point, you're thinking, you know, you're sort of looking through your fingers as a player, thinking this could, this, this could, you know, you're challenging the, the manager's authority. You know, and obviously, Moza's training. Moza's involved in these threes and piggybacks and all the rest of it. And it must have been really, really difficult for him. But I'm thinking, ooh, you cheeky sod. <laughs> I, know if, I know if I was manager, I'd be like, well, just go in. It's all right, you're not playing tomorrow. So it's not my yeah, career. Yeah. So if you want to challenge me, I'll deal with you Monday morning. We'll see you Monday. Wow. You know, and, and I thought there's, there's a fine line for everyone to feel comfortable and um, happy. But at the same time, you've, we've all got to be in it together, all got to be disciplined. And one lad throwing his toys out of his pram on a Friday morning, you're going, come on, it's three knees to chest. And it was three knees to chest. It takes about one and a half seconds. And it'll probably make you a better, better player because you'll be a bit more flexible. <laughs> so just to get it done, we're all getting cold here. No, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, come on. And he dug his heels right in. And it just... Did that player play the next game, David? Mm. Right. Okay. And I just thought, you, 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 that's, that was the problem for me. I just thought to myself, never do it. I'm thinking, you, you're going to have lads now running the asylum. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And it sort of built up to that point. And I'm thinking, Moz, you're just a lovely fella. You're a great fella. Really got on with him. Still switching out. Top, top guy. I just thought to myself, strong leadership at that point. He said as and much to it. us on this podcast, didn't he, lads? He basically said... Man, managing, he found it too stressful essentially by the end, and it when it wasn't for him. Yeah, yeah, he's told me, he's told me, yeah. um, and and you know because he's such a nice bloke. Mm. And it's, I'm not saying you have to be a horrible bloke. I'm not. Mm. I don't think I'm a horrible, horrible bloke. But you've got to be firm at times. You've got to let yeah. players know where they are, so the where the boundaries are. You know, I, I'll give you an example. I can always remember my fourth game in charge, and. I mean, obviously, we've had three or four weeks of training sessions and everything, not laid down the law or anything like that. We were was at um, Doncaster away, and we were losing 3-1 with about 10 minutes to go. And the 29-year-old left-back, he was getting brought off because his manager scored two. And we had a left-back who, who could go and replace him. And he's about to take a throw, and he threw the ball into the ground in, in active petulance or descent or whatever you want to call it. So he comes off, I shake his hand. Obviously, you know, um, game finishes. We go in the dressing room and said, right, lads, before I start talking about the game, if you ever do that again, and I sort of had this lad, I didn't, didn't, you know, nothing, no swearing, no physical touching or anything like that. But I was talking to the rest of the group. I was just doing it through this one 29-year-old, and I purposely chose a 29 I purposely waited for, for an older guy because I had the role 19, 20, 21, and I didn't want to pick on pick on one of the young ones. I wanted to set the law down with one of the older ones. Now, they don't usually step out of line very often because they know where the line is. It's usually the young kids who don't, they're naive. Whereas this lad gave me the great opportunity. You don't do it in public, you shake his hand, well played, well lucky, sit down. And then in the dressing room, you're talking to everyone. So everyone knows, you don't turn out to dissent like that. And, and, to, and straight away, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was just disappointed in my own performance. I believe it. I believe him now, I believe him then. I see it looked terrible. It looked like he were upset that I was bringing him off. He was bringing the, the football club looking, looking you know, it, it didn't look good. 
And when he explained that to him, he goes, yeah, I, I get that, but it wasn't that. I'm sure it wasn't. And I believe you. I truly believe you. You don't ever do that again. And then he'd come and apologise to me on Monday morning. It's done. It's done, lad. You know, come on. You know, I've moved on. You move on. I'm telling you now. Because actually I weren't talking to him. I was talking to everyone or only him. You know, and Moz never did that. Mm. And it's little things like that that you just go every now and again. I did it about three times in my five and a half years at King. Yeah. Just to make sure everyone just knew where they were. That's no, it's uh, very interesting hearing that kind of insight into that season and um, that managerial style, definitely. Let, let's talk about the next season and after the disappointment of Newport. Um, I think when you signed the one year deal, you said it may be something of a playoff hangover. I think uh, it's fair to say that that was the case. We had a diabolical start to the season. Could you ever put a finger on what went wrong? You know, some of the other players from that squad have said, you know, the, the recruitment just wasn't right. And basically, you were starting a season sort of feeling negative as a squad, basically, not believing in yourselves. I think it's easier to point your finger at recruitment. Recruitment's massive. We all know that. Um, for me, it was it was that um, what I've just been alluding to. Go again. Come on. You know, that's chip shop paper. Let's go. Where it was like, no, 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 the manager says this and I can do this. And the players sort of going, I don't actually need to do that because I know I'll get away with it. That's the truth. You know, that's being honest with yourselves. With, with you know, we, could, we can all say and go, yeah, yeah, you know, whoever it was didn't bring in, you know, her to go, a Paul Mullin. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Did you do enough? Did you try your best every day? And there were too many people in that team that didn't. That's the truth. That's the, that's the brutal honest. I'm an honest guy. I'm a Yorkshireman. Say it as it is. That's the truth. Billy Barr was divisive among some Wrexham players we've talked to. How, how did you find him? Yeah, I thought he was all right. Hmm. Why? Because his standards were high. Okay. You know, no, 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 don't, don't, you pass a ball 15 yards, don't lift it, don't put it all along the floor. Hmm. Make your mate look a better player. Because people have been picked up on what they thought was inconsequential sort of nitpicking, if you like. Yeah. With I actually saw it, no, 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 that is, that's standards. Yeah. That's proper standards. Which some people didn't like that. And they mm. also knew that the manager wasn't telling them off. It was the system. Right. And it okay. goes back to that. Come on, you know, you know, whereas I got brought up, you try your best every day, you listen, you respect people who are trying to help you. And because Bill was, and Moz was, obviously, you mm. know, and, and take on board what they're saying. You don't, you don't take advantage of, of what they might not be doing. Yeah. Where some definitely took advantage of what what they weren't doing. Bill, Billy found it hard. I've spoken to him since. Billy's found it hard to 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 manage players in sessions. You know, trying to be authoritative, but actually being the best mate because it, it has to be the other way around. The bad cop has to be the manager and the good cop or head coach. And the, the the good cop has to be the assistant. Really. Uh, now, that season ended up being quite forgettable, but there was one game in particular that wasn't forgettable at all. Um, I guess you know which one it is. It's Barnet away, obviously. <laughs> Red cards galore, uh, ludicrous uh, headbutts, elbows, uh, Johnny Hunt flying across the pitch, two feet up, knee height. Uh, what are your memories of that day? The, the, my, my biggest memories was sort of coming home on the, on the bus with... Uh, right, Stephen Wright with some sort of like wackadoo plaster 
on his mouth, you know, as if he had 10 rounds with Tim and Malik. And I'm thinking, and he's like, I can't remember anything. I can't remember anything. <laughs> and and sort of one of the lads sort of Googling and cadaver sort of saying, yeah, the black belt in whatever it is, some martial art. And I'm thinking, I'm glad it weren't me that upset him. Uh, and, and, and the other thing that, so, so I, I, I've got that really vivid memory, that sort of like conversation, that 10 minutes on the bus on the way home. And the other one was obviously the free kick. Keith's free kick in the last minute. We deserve, we deserve something from the game. We didn't all fight and battle that game. And sort of showed that spirit that got us, you know, to the playoff final the year before. It was just a fleeting, um, you know, a, a fleeting pass at what we could achieve if we all wanted to do it. And 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 the thing was, we didn't do it often enough. Uh, I mean, when that all kicked off, uh, you know, when the free kick was awarded, and then Wrighty comes in to try and get the ball back, and he gets chopped. Did you see it at the time? Because you must have been quite far back. No, I didn't. No, no I didn't. I'm not. No. I'm not being Arsene Wenger. I, I, I genuinely didn't see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a manager now. I had coach now, but I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, I just saw him end up on the floor. Thinking, what was right in there? Um, yeah. You know, and at that point, you know, if you're trying to get players sent off, which is, you know, professionalism or whatever you want to call it, mm. dark arts, it doesn't make that much difference in the you know in the last two minutes of the game. Um, yeah. It doesn't have the greatest impact that it could have. So, so I'm going. What's what's he done? Then, then you sort of go over, and it, it, I'd say his lip was in a, you know, not necessarily two pieces, but you could see he'd been whacked and one of you. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, and all that shit. And the ref sends him off, and you're thinking, you know, the ref's got a hard job because there was whatever it was 10, 15 people of, mm. in that melee or whatever. Uh, I'm not quite sure why or how he got to the conclusion to send Righty off. <laughs> Other than the fact they ran in and he was trying to get the ball, um, yeah. because obviously I've seen it since. But yeah, he um, we obviously saw it back afterwards and went, Ooh. <laughs> 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 "What were you doing?" Um, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, he was. He was great. That what did the one abiding memory of that game? The players were calling him you know, Edgar Davis. This is Gaffer Boss Edgar. They were calling him God. God, God. Uh, exactly, that's it. You've got it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'm, you know, there's one or two of them were calling him God. I don't know if that was um, self-proclaimed or 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 the players themselves doing it. But we're thinking, okay, you know, whatever. Um, and I have to say, I don't think he was very good. I've played against much, much better than him. Well, it was certainly a memorable away day for those of us who were there anyway. Um, Tommy, I think, wanted to uh, bend your ear now about um, a certain player of ours that you've coached, I think, James Jones. Can you, Tommy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to speak to uh, JJ a few times. And, he, you, you know, from my perspective, he just seems like such a great down-to-earth guy. Uh, just interested to know, um, you know, what are your thoughts on JJ as a player and a person, David? He's... First of all, you're right. He's a great kid, really nice kid. Um, wants to learn, wants to improve, wants to get better. Um, was good for me. You know, um, it was it was a it was a great pro for me. I have to say, I haven't had bad pros to be honest. Um, he scored lots of goals, created lots of goals, and then he got um, 
a couple of injuries, sort of back to back, just got back, had another, just got back, had another. And he ended up coming back too heavy, top heavy. He was really big. And he, he, he lost some mobility. Then, you know, the crew manager, you have to play um, because we haven't got the squad that certainly like Wrexham's got. We can't just play someone else because we're in better form. So he ended up becoming more athletic, doing well again, and ended up leaving and going to Lincoln. And, and we offered him a deal. And he said, look, it's, back. it's the right time for me to leave. And I still speak to him um, every now and again. Um, he's a good kid. And, you know, you've got a proper good pro. He's one of them that I would imagine that whatever happens in his career, he'll be able to look himself in the mirror and say, I tried my best every day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Phil Parkinson clearly really rates him as well. He's uh, he's a big fan of his, and um, you know, he covers every blade of grass when he plays, doesn't he? I mean, uh, yeah. I suppose I suppose on that fitness wise, I mean, uh, you know, back in your prime, David, would you, would you have beaten him in a bleep test or come close? No, I wouldn't have beaten James. I beat some, but not James. James is one of the fittest. James is certainly one of the fittest at crew, if not the fittest. Um, one of his big strengths with his physical output without show of doubt. And he was like, obviously the other one being technically very good. Um, so, yeah, he was, I, I couldn't get close to him, that's for sure. I mean, what what do you make of uh, how his career's gone? I mean, as a youngster, there was high hopes for him, wasn't there? And, you know, he's he, he's had a good career. Um, but would, would you maybe have expected him to, to push on to maybe, you know, he'd be playing maybe lower half of the championship by now? What what do you yeah. make of his career? Yeah, look, well, we... He, we we agreed if he would test him and he failed his medical. Um, he had an undiagnosed hernia that they found and, and they, had, they didn't then go through with the deal. So um, that was disappointing for us as a football club, but more so James, obviously. Um, and, and we had to make sure we put his arm around him and and and, and pick him up after his, after his off and what have you. It, you know, and, and he never sort of really got back to that, them, them sort of height. He weren't far off. But you tend to only get one shot at them kind of things, and which is, whether that's right or wrong, that's that's football for you. Um, would he, if he'd have got to the championship, would he have done well? Yeah, he would have. Hundred percent. Was he going to get there now? Highly unlikely. Um, you know, unless it's with Wrexham um, or the club he's at. If it's not Wrexham, so yeah, he's he's he could have played higher. Um, but he's listen. He's had a. He's had a terrific career already. He's played probably four or five hundred games already. He's only 28, 29, whatever he is. Um, that's not to be sniffed at. So whatever he does between now and when he uh, gets his two nails and his hammer out and hangs them up, then he'll have already had a terrific career. I, I just wanted to get a bit more, really, as as a manager like yourself. I mean, um, you know, he's he has he has had bits and bobs of criticism from Wrexham fans. I always say. Anyone who knows football knows why uh, he's so highly rated by every manager he's ever had. As a manager, can you just describe maybe to us why, like, what is it that he gives you that means he's one of the first names on the team sheet? Well, the, the one thing with, with, with James is, is that he will always want the ball. Always. So he's not afraid to get on the ball. I can remember him making a mistake at Gressley Road and costing us a goal. Next time the fullback and the centre-half got the ball, who's there? That's it. So his character and his his sort of mindset is unshakable. That in itself goes a long way. So you know because you not know, all players like that. You know, no, you know that. That's just 
across human beings, you know. So you're lucky if you're like that. And James has James has got a real strong mindset. So you knew that he was always going to be consistent in his approach, even if sometimes his form would dip or you know play well or not play well. You knew what you were going to get from him. And one thing that managers do like is consistency and reliability. You know, you you tell you ask most head coaches and managers, you know, would they take the flair player who, you know, half the time his man runs off him, but he might score a couple of goals, or the lad who scores maybe half the amount of goals, but his lad never runs off him, will pick the lad whose lad never runs off him, mm. because you know what you're going to get, and you know you can build off that. James is one of them players. You know, he was terrific for me. He, he, he scored lots of goals, created lots of goals. Was competitive. He never got, or very, very rarely got, got done in behind, and and that's what you want. You want that consistency, that reliability, um, and and he wanted to, like I say, he wanted to improve. So he would always come into my office. Right, come on, can I have a chat about how we can improve? Of course we can. Let's go. Two hours later, we, you know, we, we've got a plan done for him for the week, and who's going to coach him in the afternoons, and you know what we're going to do in training because we knew what we were going to do in training, so that we could sort of say, right, this bit, this half an hour on Thursday morning is for all the midfielders, but you really need to know that bit and all that kind of stuff. So he was fully prepared, fully invested, and and he was driven to succeed. He had that inner drive, and that's why he's still in the game. That's why the game's not bypassed him or eating him up. Mm. And just finally, for me, really, uh, are there any other current Wrexham players that uh, you sort of know, uh, you know, you've come across, you know, personally, and and also on top of that, um, who do you really rate in this Wrexham side? Um, I played with Ben Tozer at Northampton. So them first 11 games before I told me Achilles, I'd scored four goals and all from, I think. Well, yeah, I wonder where they're from. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think either two or three of them were from Tozer's long throws, yeah. Um, so I know Ben, who's a good, good bloke, steady you know, straight, intelligent. Um, so, yeah, I know Ben. Obviously, I know Callum McFadzine because we sold him to Wrexham. Um, I tried signing Jordan Tunnicliffe when he was, when he was at Fylde and he chose somewhere else because clearly we only offer a bag of chips and, and a couple of footballs. Um, we, can't, we haven't got the money that you guys have got. Um, so, I'd met him I'm trying to think who else. Um, yeah, obviously, we've come up against them all. Um, Ollie Palmer and, you know, the like, Elliot Lee. Tried signing Elliot. Um, Paul Mullen. You know, we've come up against them all. You know, Connell. So, we know, I know of them. I just don't know them. Um, who do I rate? I like Elliot Lee. I think he's a terrific player. Um yeah. Listen, they've got a good squad. Like I said, I've seen them three or four times this year. And um, in all the games, probably Bob Bradford at home in the cup. You know, I thought Bradford should have scored three or four on the counter attack. And they put picked wrong options in. And don't get me wrong, he's still lost on penalties. But um, in all the games, I saw you against Bradford at Valley Parade the other day. Didn't deserve to win, didn't deserve to lose. Walsall at home, definitely deserve to win. At home, probably should have been three down before you got a man sent off, and that actually helped you massively. Mm. So you're by far the you know second best for the first 35-40 minutes. Um, you know, so 
I think you've got a real good squad. You've got a great chance of success again. Um, you've got real strength and depth. You know, the, the team is is geared for success. Um, whether you get over the line or not, football's a, a funny old business. Um, I think I think with the money you're reportedly spending, you, you know, you, you're going to be there or thereabouts. David, it's quite it's quite rare we have like a, a manager on, and, and and when we do, we like to talk tactics. Now, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit you with three facts. Now, when I say facts, it's what the fans say about this team, <laughs> and I want I want to know: Do you agree? And is there a reason why they think this? So, number one is: Can, can, can um, I just ask a question? Is facts yeah. Welsh for bullshit? Uh, basically, well, we, we want no. you to dig our fans out. We want you to dig our fans oh, out. We, our fans are us. You know, we, we love right, our fans. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm already kidding. I'm already kidding. Go on, give me these facts. So, some of them are bullshit, Dave. Uh, <laughs> right. The first one is the back three is too far apart and there's too much space for pace to run into. The second one, the wing backs are way too far forward and they don't offer the centre backs enough cover. And the third is there's no control in midfield and we start too slowly. So do you agree with those broad facts and are there reasons for them or is this part of a of the percentage sort of football park he plays? You, you hit the nail on the head with your last statement. So when regardless whether you play three at the back, four at the back, the, the, the longer you play the ball, the more gaps there's going to be between centre-halves to wing-backs, centre-halves to midfielders, and midfielders to attack. It, it, it just is. Why? Because the ball can go faster than any individual. So the gaps are always going to be there if if Ben Toza hits a big raking diag up to Oli Palmer or Sam Dolby or whoever it might be. Because he then can't run 40 yards and get on the halfway line when he just whacked it from three yards outside his box. So straight away, you're not... You're, Wrexham, because of the tactics that the manager employs, is always going to be um, open lengthwise, if that makes sense. There's always going to be gaps. So, so you know, the, the you know the Bradford game at home in the Cup, Bradford kept hitting you on the counter-attack because you didn't sort of, you, you wasn't good on, you definitely wasn't good on transition. That's different in terms of pace, your first little point you made, fact you made, um, <laughs> because that that's that can be managed, that can be coached. The third, the, you know, in terms of the distances between units, if you want to call them that, um, that's more a stylistic thing. That's more the fact that the, there's pros and cons to every way you play. One of the biggest when you're a direct team, which invariably you are I don't want to sound detrimental or it's not I'm, I'm not here to sort of question anyone's tactics you know it's only my opinion and all the put that caveat so I don't get any hate mail or anything like that from you know from Trevor from yeah or Parky <laughs> I was I was with Parky the other day at a game watching Notts County and one of you so you know, him and his lad so and we get on well so you know I'm not he's done ever so well hasn't he um, but you know, one of the one of the downsides of being direct is the fact that you can be open lengthways. Yeah, um, and that's that's one of the things that you've got to accept. You know, if you want, if the Rex and fans want the ball quicker forward and want the ball in the box a lot, 
well, you know, that's what happens. If you want to play football like Notts County does, and I'm using Notts County because I think all Wrexham fans understand that that's a completely different style, they are far more compact between the lines. Now, they're more open across the pitch. Mm. Why? Because they're trying to spread the play. Whereas teams are trying to squeeze the player, you know, together, if you like. So there's there's pros and cons, whichever way you do it. And fans being fans understand generally, without really knowing the nuance, you sort of just see it and go, well, that's the problem. Yeah. Without really understanding maybe the sort of look at the, you know, the, the cuts as opposed to understand why the cuts happened. Right. Sort of try and bring it to a medical analogy, if you like. No, no, I, I mean, we understand that. We've been doing a lot better the last couple of games because he's been using more ball-playing centre-halves and I think it just sort of, it helps us control things a, a little more because we're not just getting a, a centre-half who wants to find find space quickly. We're, we're playing about a little bit and I think that's why, you know, we probably did so well against Notts County and maybe Mansfield. One one thing I wouldn't mind asking you is the merits of three five two. And do you understand why a boss like Parky never really deviates from it? Is it is it sometimes does a system get become like the manager's go to? Um, possibly. I'm, I'm for me, it's not about system. It's about style. So I played four four two for the first something like eighty games of my managerial career. Then I went. 433 for the next 150 or something. And then well, I don't know what the numbers are. And then for the last season, I went 352. But the style stayed the same. The formation was different, but the style was the same. I'm pretty certain Parky had, she said to him, I don't know, in the next round of the EFL trophy or the Bristol Streets Cup or whatever it's called now, <laughs> um, you know, you've got to play a four. I'm sure he'd play it. But I'm pretty certain that the it looked very similar to what a three-five-two would. So, getting caught up in formations for me is um, secondary. This is my opinion. Secondary to actually what you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to achieve it. Yes, of course, playing the same formation all the time adds familiarity to or gives familiarity to the players. But at the same time, players should be tactically flexible. They should be adaptable. If they've got a fixed mindset, oh no, I'm just a wing back and I just run there and there and there and there, you're not going to last long. If somebody can run there and there and there and there with you, but also going there, every time they're going there, you're screwed. Mm. You know, and I'm trying to make it as simplistic as possible, obviously, but you know, to make the point. So you've got, for me, it's not so much about formations, it's about style, it's about what you're trying to achieve. You know, Wrexham. Every time I've seen him this year, finish really strong. Yeah. Really strong. Right? I'd be asking him why they can't start strong. Why they can't do that all the game. Mm. I'd, I'd be telling the fans through very subtle hints. <laughs> we need you in the first half, not just the last 20 minutes. You know, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be saying them little things without, without being um, dictatorial, if you like, or I don't know critical because that, that mm. way it wouldn't be that but I'd want the players to play at the intensity that they always finish the games with for the first half because mm. yeah. like I, I, the games the games sorry go on sorry Dave I apologise there I no, I no. feel like sometimes it's it's a tactic from Phil Parkinson to start slowly 
Um, you know, it, it certainly Ooh. it certainly appears that way sometimes. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a tactic to start slowly ever. Um, I just feel as though the emotion that's invested at the club at the minute is terrific. You know, and I've ever been to the race course. The crowd are right behind you, right with you. We've had a year, a year and a bit of success. Everyone's caught up in it, and the the, the sort of, it, it, you, you feel it as the game goes along. That everyone's come on, you know, you can feel it. You know, the teams that you've struggled against this year have all played football and taken all that away from you. Swindon, MK Dons, um, Crew. Play football against you, there's, there's, and although you, you scored late against Crew, and and the the injustice or the emotion came from the the perceived injustice of the sending off and and all the rest of it. Actually, whenever teams have played football against you and kept you quiet and kept that emotion out of the game, you you don't do as well. Now I know if it was me coming up against Wrexham tomorrow, I'd be saying pass the ball to each other, right? Keep the crowd quiet. The players will then get frustrated, they'll make mistakes. You know, Parky will make some subs because he's got strength in depth and all the rest of it. But actually, the crowd could go the other way and get frustrated or certainly stay quiet. Really stay quiet. Or, no, I say quiet. I'm, I'm on about in the, the opposite being that sort of force of nature towards the end of the games. And, and I think that's a big thing when you come up against Wrexham this year. That's fascinating. David, thanks Thanks for taking us through that. I mean, I was going to say, is there anything that you would do differently? But I think you've answered that by saying, look, I, I would I would want the team to start a lot stronger from yeah, now. Yeah, listen, I, I, whatever I said to that question sounds critical of what... Yeah, yeah I, I get that. Yeah. You know, parking the players aren't doing now, so I've got to be careful because I don't want to fall out with anyone. But And, and where are you in the league? You're third, fourth, something like that. Yeah. You're not doing a lot wrong. No, you know, you're know. not doing a lot wrong. So, you, you know, you've got to be mindful of the fact that, you know, that, that everything's going well. Um, we, you know, we, we're being hypercritical. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong, the, the, the step from two to, well, conference to two and then two to one, two to one's even bigger. Mm. And, you know, there's, that will be tough. Um, but I've no doubt you're going to be in that top seven. I do actually think we are starting the games a little bit stronger, certainly over the last the last yeah. last two. Anyway, right, that's enough from me. Tim, do you want to take the last bit because we've we've taken a lot of David's time, but there is still a few things we'd like to ask. Yeah, <laughs> we, we can't we can't um, we can't gloss over the the Gibraltar thing because I, I still find that amazing, fascinating, equal measure. I think you were thirty four at the time. I think there are there about that you and. Like likes Danny Higginbottom, both got the call up. How did that? How did that transpire? How did you qualify for them? And what was it like? Because I remember you, I mean, you played against Germany and kept them quiet for large portions of the game. And, and just take us a bit, bit of a general overview of that. So, so my, my, my grandparents were in the navy, and my father was born out there. So when they became members of UEFA, I think I was thirty-three at the time. And as I was alluding to earlier, I. I see it as a reflection of the hard work that I put in my, to in my career that I ended up playing against Lewandowski and, you know, Germany was, it was three months after they just won the World Cup. They just beat Brazil 7-1 in the semi-final of the World Cup in, in Brazil. And then we are rocking up with 
you know, a guy who plays for Wrexham, a guy who plays for Preston, a postman, a port hospital porter, a lawyer, a fireman, two coppers, a customs officer. You get the point, and we're you know we're sat there going, this could this could be tasty. You know, we we're forty odd thousand in Nuremberg. We're going, these are pretty good. These ones, because <laughs> they all you know they're all good. It could be embarrassing, lads. We've got to make sure we all stick together and all the rest of it. Um, and to only lose four nil felt like a victory. Um, you know, I, I, I'll never forget we we um, we defended for long periods. It was towards the end of the first half. I think we were losing two nil at the time. Right, might be might be in three, but it was two or three nil. And one of our lads shot from the halfway line. It was it was an unbelievable effort. A lad called Liam Walker, who actually played for Notts County for a small period of time. And Manuel Neuer tips it over the bar. It was a brilliant save, brilliant effort, brilliant save. And we get a corner. And me and Scott Wiseman, the, the only other pro in the team, are running up for this corner. And Thomas Muller turns to us and goes, This is your big chance. <laughs> now, obviously, we are howling when the corner comes in because we haven't been out of our 18-yard box for 40 minutes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we uh, there's little things like that that are, you know, terrific memories, really, that, you know, I think is any young kid's dream. Um, and to test yourself against, when I say against the best, I mean the very, very, very best. Um, you know, we just won the World Cup was, was a terrific... Um, sort of end into my career. Yeah. And then, obviously, the end of the playing career, it's usually one of two things there. They either sort of fade into something else and they, they pursue a career elsewhere or you move into the football management side of things. Was that always something that you'd wanted to do? Because obviously, you'd worked under the likes of Dario Grady, I think there'd be Mark Wright at Chester, I think Roberto Martinez as well, you would have crossed paths with. So, was that always something that you'd, you wanted to forge a kind of career path in after your playing days have come to an end. Yeah, I, I look back and it, I, it's not something that I actually said, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to be a manager or head coach. But obviously, you know, at Morecambe, we, we'd done we'd done his B licence and I'd wrote down, well, I was there for three years and we finished, then this was, this was Morecambe with no money, we finished 10th, uh, 9th and 4th, got into the playoffs. And I've got three years' worth of sessions, every session I wrote down that, that I took part in. And I didn't do that because I was interested in what Sam and McElroy were doing. I just did it, obviously, because um, I wanted to learn. I wanted to improve. I wanted to see what was what was doing. Um, and then from there, obviously, with Dario, who was an unbelievable coach, um, you know, the detail that he went into on a football pitch was, was frightening, really frightening. Um, and then I started coaching uh, within probably three months. I, I asked Dario after, towards the end of the pre-season, can I, can I do some coaching? He said, well, you can watch. So I was still on the national turf for a number of months, freezing, wet at times, watching nine and 10 and 11-year-olds running around, not doing a lot, but watching. Um, before he said, yeah, you, you can take a bit of the session now. Um, you know, just... Because I think he's probably been, he probably learned that some players want to say that and want to coach the under 18s or the under 21 straight away, and that's not how it works. Um, you know, see if you like it, watch, then do a bit, and do a bit more, and do a bit more, and do a bit, etc. Um, so yeah, I did that for you know, the time at Crude. And when I was at Northampton, I was travelling back up the motorway two nights a week, two and a half hours to, to coach. Um, then obviously, when I come to Wrexham, um, I carried on coaching. And then when I left Wrexham, I became the, 
the academy manager for, for three years and, and carried on coaching then and, and sort of running the what was the ninth best academy in the country in terms of productivity. Um, you know, the, the, the record was was fantastic at what were the, the players were produced. Um, you know, you got Billy Waters. There's another mm. one. Right, Bill. Um, you know, there's there's you know, and, and, and yeah, and then from there become manager. So yeah, it just it just was an evolutionary process that was probably subconsciously in 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 my head somewhere. Would you make a Billy? He can't seem to get a sniff at Wrexham at the moment. He's obviously not not in the uh including um, that the squad that made the cut and he wasn't involved yesterday. Yeah. Billy is um a bottle of pop. I, I, I equate him to a fizzy bottle of pop when you take the when you take the, the lid off, it can go anywhere. Um, um he scores goals. He scores goals. Um, he is, you know, I've got to be careful because I've released him. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, he's a great kid. Great kid. Wants to learn. He's hard to learn. He's hard to right. teach, should I say. Um, I didn't get enough out of him. Um, I think I think you've got to let him have a lot of freedom and playing with certain players to get the best out of him um, as opposed to help just him develop if you like along with others and, and then combine them I think you've de- got, he's definitely got to have a certain foil to get the best out of him um, he'll score goals you know I've, I've no idea what the plan is in, in January for him or certainly next season whatever but I'm pretty certain wherever he ends up even if it's in Wrexham's team he'll score goals he will because he just does that's what he does, yeah. but he only scores goals in the box, if you like, and and he doesn't create for others too much. So, you know, that's not being detrimental. He's a striker who scores goals. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think his, you know, his, his probably career, I think he'd probably admit his career scored a little bit at Regson, but he'll, he'll end up somewhere and score lots of goals. Yeah. Before I before I uh, we pass it back to Andy to hit you with some quick fire questions, um, uh, a double double question one one entirely and intentionally loaded. Um, but what is your what what is your ethos as a boss? Would you say as a manager, a head coach, and obviously your name's been mentioned in the same breath as the vacancies at Grimsby and Bradford. So first point: what is your ethos as a manager, and would any of those jobs be of interest to you? Okay, um, so me as a manager, I want to create, or I, ha- I did create a um, psychologically safe environment where players can ask a question. They want to improve, want to get better, put the team before themselves and strive to be better. Now, that's very bland, not bland, very um, uh, sort of big, if you like. Yeah, it's not broad. really on the detail. Broad, that's the word. Broad. However, in that, each one of them goes into lots of different sort of real nuanced things. So if you ask James, for example, James Jones, I asked him to write down three targets, personal targets. We wrote three down in the office and then we had a meeting. You know, just decided on which three, because we might have had three different 
ones than when he had. Um, and crucially, how we were going to do it, how we were going to help him to achieve them. Nothing to do with the team. But we also know that I, I can remember one of them was getting team of the year, for example. I know if we helped him get in team of the year, we're going to score eight goals or get 10 assists or whatever. So we knew that, you know, we had to help him. Now, to do that for 25 players is some commitment from the staff. But we also know that if we did that, um, the team would be getting better. And if you put the individuals, and when I say individuals, I don't mean individuals just as individual players. I want about individuals as people before everything else. Get it back in bucket loads, you know. So I've had players come to me. I won't say shaking, but certainly um, trepid, you know, with trepidation, sort of asking for a day off on a Friday. Okay, you can't just ask for a day off on Friday, you know, day before a game. Why? Oh well, you know, my wife's going in hospital and I need to be with her. Not a problem. Are you sure? Of course I'm. You know, the meeting that we have and we'll film training, we'll send it to you. You'll need to watch it in your own time and I'll check because I'll ask you stuff that you watched it, you know, because that's my job. I can't I can't have a dereliction of my own duty just to be kind. Um, you know, and, and I can remember I've been to one place. Why, why did you, why did you, this player in particular, why did you give me the day off? He was an older player. I said, because if I didn't give you the day off, it was, it was to do with children. It was, you know, um, his wife wasn't giving birth, it was to do with children. And um, I said, because in 20 years' time, um, you know, wh whatever your little child is, you'll remember him. You might not remember me. That's the first thing. And in six weeks' time, you're going to remember that I gave you that day off and you're going to want to run through a brick wall for me still. Nothing to do with football at all. Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, diocesely. I had a team of players that could, you know, a squad of players that actually wanted to try the best, not just for the football club, not just for themselves, but for me as well. Um, and when you create that environment, you achieve things. You know, we, we got promoted the crew with the third lowest budget on 1.2 million. It's just unheard of. It's just unheard of. We finished in the top half of League One on 1.4 million, the lowest budget by a distance. You know, um, which went up last year out of League One on 14 million. We finished in the top half above Plymouth, above MK Dons on 1.4 1. million. It's just ridiculous. Why? Because of what we'd built, what I'd built, what took me 18 months to build it. You know, but actually, all the players are going, I'm, I want to go into work to get better. They didn't actually want to go home in the end. They wanted to stay and play table tennis and have lunch together all the time and go back out to the point where I'm going, right, you've done enough. Because the, 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 the culture was, we're all going to get better together. We're all getting better together. The team is individuals. And you can ask questions regardless. You know, I had one lad, the captain, is at Cardiff now. Um, we'd, we'd just played Cheltenham away. And I think it was in the FA Cup. We'd drawn one all. He got sent off after an hour. And uh, after every time I speak to the players, whether it's a meeting, um, after training, before training, whatever, after the game, I always ask him, if you any, has anybody got any questions? But rather than just sort of asking it as a throwaway token gesture, I'd actually look at each player. Have you got any questions? Have you got any questions? So why? Because the 18-year-old the might, you know, want more information about something, might be unsure about something, might make the best point that none of us have seen. 
likewise the 34-year-old might. Or they might just want to know if they've got gym in the afternoon or whether they're wearing tracksuits or any logistical stuff like that. So after this game at Cheltenham, I asked Willie Ascalana, go, any questions, Will? No. Dave Richards, the other sub-goalkeeper, any questions? No. Went to the captain, any questions? Training this week, we're effing shit. Okay. Now, I'm thinking 99.9% point would either throw something at him, whether that be an object or his own fist, or <laughs> put him on a coat peg, or something like that. Now, I, I shouted at the players very, very, very rarely. Very rarely. It's just not my style. I'm there to help them. Okay. Okay. And I thought, right, think quick. Because he's just, he, you know, he's questioned my authority there, big style. And my capabilities and, and all the rest of it. But the good thing was, it felt as though he could. So the difference between that and Moz, he knew that he was also stepping over the line. <laughs> and so did all the other players, because it, Everyone's, it was sort of like a tumbleweed, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. The jukebox had just gone off in the bar. And I think. So I said, right, okay. And I thought, right. So I went to the oldest player, lad called Chris Porter. I said, what do you think? I think training's been rubbish this week. He went, I noticed Gaffer. Oh, coward. He's not going to back me up. He's not going to go into the lads, which is understandable. Totally understandable. So I thought, right, okay. None of the players are going to back him or back me. They're all going to sit on the fence. So I went, right, okay. I said, right, okay then. I said to the captain, I said, whose responsibility is the intensity of training? Me as manager and the staff or you and the players? He went, yours? I thought, oh, you've had another swing. <laughs> so, so I went back to Chris Porter. I said, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's me and the staff do it to get the intensity of training right, or you as players to get the intensity right. And he went both. I thought, oh, he shifted and he's got the right answer. I went, I agree. I agree. So I went back. I said, so let me tell you this, right? You've just said training all this week is rubbish. Now, I think because you've been sent off, you're saying that to deflect and to somehow make an excuse for you getting sent off. He went, no, I'm not. I went, all right, I believe you. And I, I genuinely believed him. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I went, but let me tell you this. You know, and at this point, again, I'm talking to the whole group. Really important. You're not just handling one lad or you're not just speaking to one lad. You know that you could come to me at any point, like any of you can. So if you thought training was rubbish on Monday morning, Monday lunchtime, I expect any of you to knock on my door and tell me. Now, you've just created loads of work for me because I'm going to, I always watch the games back. I said, now I'm going to watch five training sessions back. I said, so I'll watch them and the staff will. So the staff aren't going to be happy with you, but it doesn't make a difference to me because I don't get a day off and all that. I said, we're going to watch it and make sure that intensity was right. And we'll have a discussion on Monday. I said, but thanks for bringing it to me attention. I said, I'm like, you know, any of you, you think training's rubbish or can be improved, come and see me. Because we'll make sure it's improved. Because we're all in it together, remember. All right, any questions? Any questions? Any... And so so the point I'm trying to make is when when you've got that kind of um, uh, culture, 
where everything is questionable, but for the greater good, you get better quicker. So being a disruptor, I mean a disruptor, I don't mean disrupting training, as in like being an arsehole and booting balls everywhere. I don't mean that. I'm on about being a question, you know, questioning why we're doing this at the right time and thinking about it and coming up with solutions, everyone gets better, hmm. quicker. And that's the environment I create, that's the culture I create. And that's why we overachieved massively year on year. Never finished below my budget. Why? Because when you create that culture, everyone goes, I like this. He's going to make me better as a manager, as a head coach, because of the detail I've got, because of the coaching sessions I've got. And actually, I know that he's going to help me, my mate here. My mate here is going to help me better. He's not just doing it for himself. Yes, he wants to move and all that, but so do I and so do he. So we all, we're all in the same boat, but we're all actually going to get better together and we all want the best for each other. And when you create that, we're 15 points for a start. And actually, that, that team spirit and that sort of environment, you become a better team. That's a comprehensive answer. I doubt we're going to get a comprehensive answer to the second part of that question, which you're hoping I forgot about, but I haven't. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I know Bradford are appointing the manager tomorrow. Okay. Um, were you ever in the running for it? I got interviewed, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get offered that one. Um, I've been offered, I think, I think it's seven jobs in League Two that I've turned down. Um, for various reasons, yeah. Um, there's one or two other little bits. Um, I might be going abroad. To, to okay. um, I, the, the, you know that. I, I think it's really important that I pick wisely. But I've been out for a while. I wanted a break when you when you manage a crew and you're doing everything. From I didn't have a chief scout, didn't have a head of recruitment. You know, you were looking at him. Um, it, it, it takes its toll. So I wanted six, eight, nine months out of the game to recover, really. Whilst also developing myself. So I've been into, you know, David Moy just took me out for dinner twice and I've been to Liverpool lots of times, been to Brentford. Um, I've also been into like GB Taekwondo, uh, British Cycling, been to Sail Sharks, seen all these different environments, um, seen all these different cultures. To improve me, to, to pick up little bits. Um, you know, I'm at Loughborough University this week. Um, you know, so there's loads of different things that that you pick up on. Um, but now I've been out probably a bit too long, and um, you know, I'll, I'll be back in. I'm, I'm pretty certain I'll be back in in the next uh, week or two because I won't be selected. No doubt, no doubt. Cheers, Dave. Thanks for that. Right. Um, we don't want to take you any any more of your time. It's been fascinating chat, but um, what we do, it, we have a very a quick fire round. So during your time at Wrexham, who is yep. the first person that pops into your mind when we say who was the most skillful? Skillful? Who's the most skillful? That's that's worrying the length of time that it's taking. <laughs> yeah, I, see, I can't think. See, uh, obviously, Glenn Little had mm. you know 
good control, good good skills. But Glenn did hardly played, and his sort of legs had gone a bit. It wasn't as maybe as pronounced. Um, I'm trying to think of someone that I'm trying to think. Johnny Hunt was good, you know. Yeah. Johnny Hunt. Johnny Hunt should have had a better career than what he had. Definitely. Interesting. Um, he, 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 I always felt that he was steady and dependable. Um, you know, obviously he went to Cambridge and stuff like that, and well, I think he'd come from Cambridge actually. But I thought he should have had a bit better career. Um, great kid. Keatsy was good. Keatsy was steady, not skillful, just steady. Just knew his role at 36, 37. Adrian Sislovich? Sis was, Sis was, I'd worry for Sis if he were playing at the race course now because they've took the stand down. He'd end up on the train tracks. He only stopped running because there was a stand in front of him. <laughs> Didn't have a brain. Nothing <laughs> bad. Honestly, you took the stand down, you just carry on onto the platform four. <laughs> Lovely lad. Lovely lad. But there's a reason he's been in the Welsh League for 10 years. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, teams do, certainly since Brexit, do recruit in the Welsh League now. You know, Priestley for Clarsen went to Newport from Connors Key, for example, and there's, there's others, there's loads of others. Um, you know, why didn't people take a punt on Sis? You know, I'm not sure he's got. Enough of a brain, to be honest. A footballing <laughs> brain is what I mean. Right, we come back to that one. Who was the biggest moaner? Oh, Neil Ashton. Ah, that's <laughs> that's a stock answer. He's, 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 he's by far and away the winner, isn't he? For that. Oh, it, honestly, he'd he'd moan. He'd moan at anything. Honestly, he'd he'd complain if you said, you know, I don't know. Black is black and white is white. You'd argue that it's the other way around. He would have that's just ashy. You just knew what you were getting. It always moaned, so you always knew what you were getting. Right. Um. Who is the worst dressed? Worst dressed. I'm trying to think. Did anyone ever say Dave Artell to that? You might have. <laughs> you might have. Um. Worst dressed. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, this, you've got to understand that I'm not a fashionista, right? You know, um, so as my wife will attest, I'm not the most observant guy in the world in terms of clothes okay. and haircuts and all the rest of it. You know, if I've actually spotted someone who's had the haircut, I usually ask them, you know, when they're getting it finished, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Me seeing a bright pink shirt that's probably cost 300 quid on it's got Gucci written on it is probably not something that sort of comes yeah. across my eye line. I'm, I'm more interested in the nuance of how they're behaving, who they are, what they're saying, what they're doing, if you like. That's what I see. I see the people, not what they're dressed up in. So I don't really know. I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying not to sit on the fence with these, but look, you know. if it, oh, nothing I'll tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, no, I've got it. I tell you, always come in as a tramp, Brett Ormerod. <laughs> there we go. There we go. In the end, right? Yes, Brett Ormerod, tramp. Great uh, ball. Finally, from us, <laughs> who would you least like to fight? Out of the team, uh, the... yeah, our team or the staff or 
Joey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jo yeah, Joey. <laughs> um, I think probably somebody like Jay Harris because he won't make it a right. fair fight. I think he'd right. just bring an axe or something like that, or a gun or something. I don't know. <laughs> bang. There you go. See you. I win. I think that, you know, Jay, Jay was like that, I think. Uh, again, good, good lad. Good kid. You want him on your team. Um, but I think he'd just play dirty. That sounds that sounds like Jay. Reese, have we got, got time for predictions very quickly? We have indeed. We have indeed. I was going to say, a few people have said Jay for very similar reasons. Um, but anyway, this week, two home games at the race course for Exxon. We've got Port Vale in the trophy on Tuesday night and then Gillingham in the league at home again on Saturday. Tommy, your first podcast. Why don't you give us your predictions first? Yeah, I mean, Tuesday is like, Christ, who knows? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1, go Wrexham. Um, and I'm going to say uh, we're going to go back to uh, being slack at the back and potent in attack on Saturday. That rhymes. And say 5-3 uh, against Gillingham. 5-3? I mean, 5-3. Why, 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 why are you surprised at 5-3 prediction at the race course? That's a normal score. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you might be right. right. I'll, I'll go next. I'm going to say, yeah, we'll beat Port Vale 2-1. Uh, Gillingham, uh, I'm going to say 2 all. Andy, you? Uh, right. Port Vale, we're both through, so I think it'll be scratch sides. I do think our squad's probably stronger than what Port Vale have to bring in. So I think we'll win that 2-0. I think Gillingham is going to be a lot tougher. They've got some really good players. I think it's a very, very tight 2-1. Tim? 3-0, 3-0. All right. Superb. David, have you got any predictions for this? I, I, I think your reasoning... In the regarding the trophy game is would be correct. Stronger teams. I've seen Port Vale play this year. Uh, stronger squad, should I say? Uh, with you both already been through, you know them, them games. You know, for a start, don't get serious until you're you're out of the group, really. Uh, so I can imagine both teams don't want the game. Both managers don't want the game, so they'll be playing everyone that they can that hasn't been playing. And I would imagine that Port, uh, Lexham's squad is stronger. But then that doesn't always mean that it equates to a win because um, I think it was, I think, didn't, didn't Port Vale get walloped in one of the games, in the in the trophy games? Oh, I don't know. I know they got walloped think, first game I, of the season. Yeah, against Barnes and they did, yeah. I'm sure he made lots of changes in one of the games. I think it's Port Vale. I might be thinking someone else, and it, and then you know, Andy Cosby sort of went. That's why they're not playing. Mm. So they might have got a point to prove, uh, but I still think Wrexham will win that. Gillingham is an interesting one. I think Wrexham will win because I don't think Stephen Clement will have got all his ideas, and I think there'll be a bit of confusion between that transition period of the the, the last manager, the caretaker, Matt Keith Miller, and. Uh, you know, and what Stephen will, will be trying to in, instill, and I think that will help Wrexham. And um, yeah, I think probably two one, something like that. Three one, actually three one. I'd I'd go for. 
Great. Four out of five victories then, according to the Fearless and Devotion panel. Uh, let's hope that that uh, optimism is backed up. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate it. Special thanks to David Artel for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.